Hey there. Welcome to the Firehouse Forum podcast. I'm Dave Timberline. I'm the Community Engagement Manager here at Firehouse, and thanks for tuning in to our 20th episode. It's going to be our last episode of the season. We're going to take a little summer hiatus. So I'm also going to be capping off the show today with thoughts on the season uh, the season of theater that has just gone past. So stick around for that if you are willing. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to be talking to Kimberly Jones-Clark, who is an actress and a playwright, and she she just took a new job as the artistic director of the Carpenter Science Theater at the Science Museum of Virginia. So we're all, we're going to be talking to her about all those things, but specifically, we're going to be talking about Hand to God, a co-production between Fifth Wall and Theater Lab that's going to be opening at the basement on July 13th. So again, one of those shows that's not opening right away, but mark your calendar now, and I'm sure it's going to be a great show. It sounds very intense, so we'll talk to Kimberly about that. And we're also going to be talking to Louise Ricks, who is many things. She's an actor, playwright, producer, artistic director, photographer, but uh, specifically talking to her about the Ashland Theater Festival this summer. She is the artistic director at Whistle Stop Theater Company in Ashland, and they do a one-day theater festival in August. So we'll be talking to Louise about that, as well as her marriage to James Ricks, the director and artistic director, her acting career, and many other things. So stay tuned for that. We still have preludes running here at the Firehouse running through the end of the month until June 30th. Get your tickets now. You'll be sad you missed it if you don't see it before it goes away. It is a -a one-of-a-kind kind of production. So that's it for intro, I think. We'll start in with Kim Clark right now. We are here with Kimberly Jones Clark, who is just, it was just announced, is going to be starring in Hand to God, which is a Fifth Wall Theater and Theater Lab co-production directed by Gary Hopper, opening on July 13th. So again, this is a show that's not opening imminently, but put it on your calendar, July 13th. It's going to be a great show, I'm sure. Hi, Kim. How are you doing? I'm fine, Dave. How are you? <laughs> All right. Good. Well, I also, this is kind of a theme for this episode. I interviewed Louise Ricks, who oh, has yeah. a nine to five with WCBE. Mm-hmm. You just started a nine to five with uh, the Science Museum. I did. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm so very excited. You've, you've got a long relationship with the Science Museum, though, right? You've been there, working there for I how many do years? In, in different ways. Um, okay. I started way, 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 way back. We're not going to say how long ago. <laughs> okay. But um, as a contract actor okay. with Larry Gard, he hired me in several times for different projects. One being a fantastic script by Douglas Jones okay. for two of them, actually. There were two shows. There was one called Endless Forms, Most Wonderful. Okay. And then there was also Genius in the Attic. And I was able to join them on those two productions. This was very, not too long after we came back from California. Okay. So it was a nice way to jump back into theater because it had been so long since we've been here. Fantastic opportunities with them. And then I also did storytelling in the museum. Okay. And then I think it was back in uh, 2008 that I became part-time. And you've, with written, you've written shows as well? I right? have. That mm-hmm. is what we did with uh, Carpenter Science Theater Company. We write scripts and then we perform them. They're either storytelling, they are full-length productions, meaning probably 20 to 40 minutes. Because in the museum, it's it's tough to do a full-blown production. Okay. People don't come to see full-blown productions. Right. They come to see a short little bit of theater, science-based, and then they go on to the exhibits. Right. And what our goal is, is to entertain them, educate them, but let them have fun along the way and let them see the human side of science. Okay. Well, and I know that over the years, you've spotlighted some really great scientists. 
productive. Absolutely, which is um, really cool. I yeah, think. it's been it's been amazing. I mean, we did uh, with those two shows I mentioned earlier, Alexander Graham Bell, mm-hmm. and then we did Darwin. Right. Of course, I wasn't those characters. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, Larry Gard played those characters, and right. he did a beautiful job. But I would play uh, wife. I would play all these other characters that would interact uh, with the main character. But then once I started working part time with him, permanently part time, it was uh, Marie Curie. Mm-hmm. I wrote a show about that about Marie and Pierre. So it involved a lot more about their relationship and how they were such good friends and could work 24-7 in the lab together in harsh conditions. And they just needed each other so much until his untimely death, which was tragic. And she somehow found the courage to keep going, which is amazing. That's part of what's so cool. I mean, I think it's cool about theater in general, but particularly in the context you're working in, people can think of science as just facts. But it's people who are coming up with these facts and making these discoveries. That's exactly it. And that's our goal is to make them relatable. And to make, um, especially young people who might not be into science a whole lot, to come in and say, wow, that brilliant scientist is a lot like me. They have the same flaws. They have the same fears, the the same hesitations. Maybe I could do what they do, you know, and get excited about science, get excited about scientists and say, boy, this is something I want to aspire to. Right. Well, it's it's interesting too, to see just in the past few years, at least in my perception, the rise of kind of the superstar geek, you know, in our culture, you know, with Elon Musk and, you know, Steve Jobs, people like that. Absolutely. Such a good point. I love it. And um, hopefully that is creating uh, more attendance with uh, science museums in general and especially ours. And I tell you what, this this new job, I'm so thrilled, number one, because it's artistic director, which Mm -hmm. is so exciting for me, but mainly because the place. The actual Science Museum of Virginia is just an incredible p- place to work. Right. And one of the main reasons, in my opinion, is because we're going gangbusters. <laughs> and it's under the direction of Rich Conti and deputy direction of Elizabeth Vocal. I mean, the Science Museum has become a leading edge state of the art institution. Yeah. It's amazing. Not only do we have <laughs> Speed that features 50 interactive stations, we also have um, Light Place, which is for preschoolers, okay. um, one to five only. Then we have The Mix, which is for teens, yeah. and they learn about 3D design, robotics robotics, electronics, computer science. The Forge is coming, and that's a makerspace where people will be able to work with high and low-tech tools. And then, of course, the Dome, which features the largest screen in Virginia. Just amazing stuff. And that's just (laughs) what's there permanently. Yeah. And right now, we've got the traveling exhibits. Have you been to the Body World Animal Inside Out? I have not, no. You need to go. It's awesome. And that's part of what is disappointing for me. Now that my kids are older, I don't go to the Science Museum as much. But those traveling traveling exhibits Uh and the theater production, make me think, well, I should drop in more at the Science Museum. Well, absolutely. And even when you have your, on those rare moments, when you do have your kids with you sometimes, mm-hmm. when they come back for a visit or whatever, it's a great place to go for the whole family. Yeah. I mean, they even have a hovercraft yeah. that adults can ride as well as the kids. You well, know, it's a cool stuff. It yeah. really is. And when any, it's one of those places that when somebody is visiting from out of town, yes. it's like VMFA, the Science Museum. It's, it's always in like the top two or three places that you tell people to go. Because absolutely. It's always, it's fun. It's, you, it makes an impact. Back, it it does. And Dave, the other thing that's so exciting is it's not stopping. I mean, it's just one thing after another. They keep yeah. adding more and more to it. It is absolutely incredible. And we were just talking about how hot it is today. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, their focus through their scientists, it's chief scientist Eugene Maracas and the climate specialist scientist Jeremy Hoffman, they are completely focused on climate change. Oh, wow. This okay. is huge. Yeah. They're very involved with NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Okay. We even went to Boston last year for a workshop there about climate change, and we presented an original script 
about the effects of climate change on pollen. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was really cool. It was That's the Resilience cool. Education Grantee Workshop in Boston at that science museum. They're going to be doing all sorts of things again this year. It yeah. just grows and grows. It's such an issue right now. Yeah. Well, see, now we dived right into it and glossed over a whole lot of other things. For what, for instance, you talked about coming back from California. Yes. So you were reborn and raised here? Born and raised in Virginia. Okay. Yes, Richmond. Mm-hmm. And so, and you went to VCU. I, I did. But then at some point, you and your lovely husband, Dave, David, mm-hmm. took off and went to Chicago first? We did right? go to Chicago first. Yeah. And that was mostly because David uh, was really interested in taking classes at Second City. Mm-hmm. And he did. And yeah. he was fantastic. And right. it was just a ball to watch him. Uh, we were only there for two years. Though, because then he got a call to come back here to Richmond to work construction on a film that was in town. And that's when the films really started cranking here in Virginia. And of course, it's great money, great benefits. I mean, he couldn't pass it up. So, and plus it was really cold in Chicago. So (laughs) we had (laughs) to come back to Richmond. But I I do love Chicago. It's an amazing city. Just incredible experience. And then about a year or two later, once again, it was David. He wanted to go to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Um, I was more the homebody. But I cannot tell you how much I am thrilled that he dragged me out there because (laughs) seriously, what a great experience. You you really do have to move away to appreciate home even more, right? I know there's a better saying out there, but it it was a great experience. We were out in Los Angeles for nine years. Never. So that, wasn't, that wasn't just tourism. That was like you were no, settled we, in there we, for a while. Yeah, we, um, but we, we never worked in front of the camera mm. much. I mean, if we did, it was very low budget or you know here and there. But we did work mostly behind the camera. David was in construction first. Then he became on-set prop person, dealt with a lot of big stars, you know, mm-hmm. people. He and Michael Chiklis, as a matter of fact, go back and forth on oh. Facebook all the time. They were buddies. Oh, I mean, it's great. just the coolest thing. And I did a lot of background and stand-in work, mm-hmm. which, again, to be able to, from behind the scenes, Watch these professional actors that you have this image of, oh my goodness, they're way up on a pedestal because they're so good, (laughs) to see them flub a line, to see them get nervous. It's just the best feeling. It's like, okay, okay, they're just like us. I get it now. We're all just human, right? Yeah, exactly. And then we had our kids, and then we said, okay, we need babysitters, so we're coming back to Richmond where our family is. Okay, I understand (laughs) that. Let's be honest. (laughs) I mean, come on. Well, and it's not like you've been sitting on your hands since you've been back in Richmond. No. That's true. I mean, I was at home with them for a little while, but then was working some children's theater here and there. And then the Science Museum thing yeah. kicked in. So, well, and, But you've also been in... Let me pull up the list here. You've oh, well, by of, all means. How much time do you have, Dave? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, uh, the first show that I remember seeing you in was the Great American Trailer Park Musical, oh, Lord. 2009. But after that, you were also in Love Kills here. More recently, you were in Night Mother in mm-hmm. 2013. You were in Ubu 84 in 2016. So you've been keeping busy besides shows at Cadence like Kimberly Akimbo, Lucky Stiff at the Mill. Uh-huh. So you, you've been keeping busy. Yeah, <laughs> and it's been fun busy, you yeah. know? I mean, how how cool is having to do theater? What a tough job, yeah. you know, but somebody's <laughs> got to do it. Well, and your husband, who mm-hmm. so uh, this is another maybe a theme for this episode. So Louise and James Ricks, kind of a big theater couple. Yeah. Um, but you guys are both very active in local theater. But you've only been in shows together twice, is that That's correct? That's correct. So from I what believe I, that is it. From the research I did, you're in, uh, you were most recently in Christmas on the Rocks, which right. was just in 2015. But that was the first time since Joseph and the Amazing Technical Oh my Adventure. gosh. 
you know what? According, you told the press that like a I, few years ago. You know what? Ago, so. I'm going to stick with it yeah. because otherwise nothing's coming to mind. But yeah, yeah, I think you might be right. So why why aren't you? You know, more shows here's together? the thing. I really wish that David had more time to be in more productions because he's so darn good. Yeah, and not is. only is he hysterical, but to see him flip it into dramatic, mm-hmm. I'll never forget. Way back, Big River yeah. at Swift Creek. Okay? okay, Joe Ensco was in, but then he had to leave early, and I can't remember the character's name, but he was one of the bad guys okay. that they run into. So David had to jump in, and that was the first time we were married at the time, but first time that I actually saw a very dramatic turn from him, and I was yeah. like, oh, he's really good, <laughs> you know? I mean, seriously. Right. And from that moment, he inspired me. It's like, okay, this is cool. Yeah. So I would love, 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 love to see him be able to do more. But he's so crazy busy, which is good with his contracting job. Right. But the bad thing is it does take him away from his passion. You know, so. Yeah. Well, everybody has to it just, I guess there'll be some slow moments, which will be the blessing in that. Okay. Jump in the show. Go. Yeah. Right. Hopefully. Well, uh, tell me a little bit about Hand to God. I think I know oh. you're just starting in rehearsals, right? Yeah. So we're going to move away from the family entertainment at the Science Museum of Virginia, <laughs> and we're going to go to not so family entertainment. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't familiar with the script. And yeah, I'm not very familiar Palm with Palm Dinger. Let me tell you. Yeah. It's... um. You play a mom, though, right? I play Marjorie. Yeah. Okay. And it's it's quite... I can't give away too much. Okay. It's just a wild ride. And I'm going to read you something right. that our wonderful director, Gary Hopper, highlighted when we first met about okay. sort of kind of summing up this play for him. And okay. it was what the author of Hand of God, the playwright, actually said, um, who is Robert Askins. And he pointed out the subtle turn of a phrase, this is Gary, of from how a lot of people say hand of God, mm-hmm. hand of God, to the title of this play being hand to God. Okay. And he says, Robert Askins is hinting at the split between imperfect man and the all-knowing perfect God. Humans reach out to find answers, but if God is in his heaven, he seems to be silent. Hmm. That kind of mm. encompasses the whole theme of the show. So it is a lot of frailty. There's also dark comedy. Yeah. I mean, but it's out of realness. It's out of the human frailty. It's out of the awkwardness. It's out of the despair okay. that, again, people will relate to the insanity of it. <laughs> yeah. And can I just tell you, the team that I'm just so fortunate to work with, not only Gary Hopper, but also the stunt coordinator, Dr. Aaron Anderson, who mm. is fantastic, uh, yeah. Liz Hopper, the costumer who is just wonderful. Everybody has just been amazing. And the actors, <laughs> I hate to admit this, but this is, I think, the first time that I'm the oldest in the show. Okay. And that's hard to take. Oh, yeah. I that's know. really hard to take. <laughs> but the good part is watching these young actors, yeah. I am absolutely blown away. And yeah. I kid you not, I'm half the rehearsal, my jaw is open. <laughs> Just I'm mesmerized by them because I think of myself at that age and think there's no way. Right. No way yeah. I could be at that point where they are now. And yeah. wow. So it's myself. Mm-hmm. And then we had Fred Iacova. And then we have Adam Turk. Adam Valentine and Ann Forbes, right. and an amazing group. Well, you both will the Adams be... have been show, in shows at the Firehouse recently. Yes, so should be and, uh, from that. You're not going to believe that performance. I yeah. mean, it's it's yeah. Anyway, I can't say too much. <laughs> Which I'm just having a ball. Watch them, and I'm laughing. I'm crying watching them. I'm mesmerized. There will be blood. Okay. I can say that. Mm. That's a fun part. Yeah, there's going to be blood. There's going to be violence. All courts sorts of fun things there's puppetry and all sorts of ways you would never imagine and um yeah i'm right. excited it's well, gonna be cool 
That's yeah, I'm excited about yeah. it. Once, once I saw the cast just alone, that yeah, was kind of, and it sounds just in the blurbs that I've read sounds very intense. Which, it is that that's it. Intense yeah. is the right word. It 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 really never stops from the opening ma- moment to all the way to the end. It's like <laughs> bam, Great. and the audience will probably say, "What in the name of God did I just see?" <laughs> you know, in a good way. Yeah. So all right. yeah, hopefully. Well, I'm looking forward to that. It's opening on July 13th at the Basement Space at Theater Lab. I know you're going to be busy all summer with that as well as your new job artistic director at Carpenter Science Theater. So good luck. Thank you. Thank you so much. And again, you know, it's tough. Theater is tough, but somebody's got to do it. So I'm I'm happy to jump in there whenever I can. So I'm, I'm glad somebody... Good and talented like you is willing to take I'm that. I'm suffering. I'm <laughs> suffering for it. Let me tell you. No. All right. Thank you so much for this, Dave. I appreciate sure. it. It's been Thank a great you. pleasure talking to you. We are here with Louise Ricks, who is a model, actor, producer, playwright, photographer, painter. She's a social media manager. She's just about, I don't have enough words to cover all the things that she does, but she is here in our lovely dressing room to talk about several things, most specifically about the Ashland Summer Theater Festival. That's not happening till August, but mark it on your calendar now. It's August 11th. Hi, Louise. Thanks for coming in. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I hear you're going to have a very busy summer. So yes, yes. You just said Nuffle Bunny rehearsals are starting. Yeah. So that's with Virginia Rep. Yeah. I'm playing the mom in okay. that role. And I'm so excited because I haven't gotten to play a mom in a few years. Okay. And as all of my friends are having babies, I feel like I have a lot to pull from. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Great. And so you also have, I, I listed all the things that you are involved in, but you have like a nine to five with WCVE, is that I true? I do, yeah. I'm on their digital team, so I manage their Instagram account, and I also uh, support all of the platforms digitally, you know, the website, the newsletter, Facebook, Twitter, and okay. especially Instagram. Wow. So that in itself just seems like, don't you have to be, with social media, don't you have to basically be at work all the time in case there's tweets that need to go out or posts yes. that need to be updated? Absolutely. Actually, uh, especially for Instagram, you can't schedule any posts ahead of time. Yeah. So I have an alarm on my phone for what time I need to post at where the most people are going to be able to see it. And sometimes that's during a performance. Oh, sometimes great. that's in rehearsal and it gets a little tricky coordinating all of that. <laughs> so you can be backstage during performances and oh, on yes. your phone? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That is like multitasking too the extreme. <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, I went to Shandoah Conservatory as mm-hmm. a theater for youth major. And one of the things they taught us early on is that if you're going to be in theater for youth, you need to be able to do everything. Mm-hmm. And they were more interested in teaching us that construction and lighting and, uh, costumes and as well as playwriting and performance but that has grown so much more in the past 10 years now it has to be social media it has to be photography it has to be collaboration of any sort and i just want to make sure that i'm capable of doing it all by myself just in case (laughs) nobody else wants to do this crazy project with me that's amazing well and so you are the artistic founding artistic director for whistle stop theater that puts on the ashland summer theater festival in that role you have to be a marketer and everything else too fundraiser organizer logistics person so I, I guess I'm just I'm just thinking about all those hats I am the queen of compartmentalizing okay. when I'm at WCV I'm at WCVE and that's okay. all I'm doing when I'm working with the whistle stop that's all I'm doing 
And when I'm in rehearsal, that's all I'm doing. If I think about everything that needs to be done <laughs> 24 hours a day, that would be really overwhelming. Yeah. Absolutely. But so long as I am focused on my task, I can accomplish it. Well, I was I looked at your resume and this is always this is always intriguing to me and yours hit me particularly funny funnily, I guess. Every actor's resume has like the little extra stuff they do at the end. And, you know, I remember, you know, when my son was acting, he like could speak Russian a little bit and he could juggle and you know, through things like that. Your resume at the end says, among your skills are paper crane folding and a Catherine Hepburn impression. Oh, I think she's spiffy. <laughs> so did that just come out naturally or did you have to do that for a role? Uh, that came out naturally. Okay. I love Catherine Hepburn. Uh, yeah. She is everything I want to be. Uh, so just by watching her movies mm -hmm. all through growing up, okay. I started developing her voice in my head. It's uh, She's that little voice in the back of my head that encourages me. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> Tells me to just do whatever I damn well like. <laughs> can I say damn on the radio? I think you can. Yes. Oh, that's spiffy. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And what about paper crane folding? How did that go about? That came from a program at Shenandoah. Uh, they have a program called the Global Citizenship Project, and they invite students to write an essay about why they want to go to a foreign country over spring break. Okay. And no freshman had ever gotten in. So as a freshman, I was helping other people write their essays and prepare pair. And one person said, well, why don't you just enter, see what happens? Hmm. And so I wrote it at midnight, hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah. And I got in. I was wow. the first one ever. And I got to go to Japan. And we decided that when we went to the Peace Museum in Hiroshima, that we would offer a thousand cranes. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, so I folded a thousand cranes with my group. And then later when my first niece was born, I folded her a thousand cranes oh. so she could have a wish at her christening. That's so cool. And again for my second niece. Well, that's cool. Uh, well, tell me a little bit about Whistle Stop and the theater festival. I know it's three shows all in one day. Are they all your shows? Because I know you've written like 30 some plays. Yeah, Is that right? they're all my shows. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they've been produced uh, before the Caddy Wampist, which is all American folk tales, is actually the first play that I ever wrote to be professionally produced, okay. and it toured all through Virginia and West Virginia. And Thumbelina and Rumble Stillskin, I originally wrote for a company in New Hampshire, and I'm remounting now uh, with the perspective of a few years on those scripts. Okay, and. How how many times have you done this? Is this like the second or third festival you've had? This is our second festival. Okay. Uh, so in Ashland, we have the Ashland Variety Show that happens every other year. Okay. And to fill in that gap, I do the Ashland Summer Theater Festival every other year. So right. we switch back and forth. Okay. You know, Ashland, to somebody who lives in the city, and, you know, I'm sorry, I apologize, I don't go out to Ashland that often. So it seems always seems like a sleepy little town, but do, you know, do the droves come in from the hinterlands for the for the festival? Well, that's the big goal. Yeah. We originally conceptualized the Ashland Summer Theater Festival to really highlight all of the fun that is in Ashland Main Street. So the first festival we did, we had a show at the Hanover Arts and Activity Center, and then another one at Ashland Coffee and Tea, and okay. then another one at the Ashland Theater. So audiences literally had to walk down Main Street and enjoy all of those businesses oh. in between shows to get to the next performance. Nice plan. Uh, 
It was a lot of fun. <laughs> and a few businesses ended up selling out for the day because they just weren't prepared for how many families would want to eat all of the themed cookies oh, or go sit at their restaurant. So this year, the Ashland Theater is under construction. Oh. And the uh, Ashland Coffee and Tea is going through some rebranding. So we only had the Hanover Arts and Activity Center to work with. Okay. So this year, we're really getting businesses involved by having family-friendly activities that engage them beyond just, we have a store and isn't that fun, buy okay. things. We have things like face painting and a bubble bar <laughs> and pets petting at the Fin and Feather. We have all kinds of fun stuff. Right. PBS is coming. Oh, the great. Ready to Learn program is going to bring their bus in and have some crafts available. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> That's very cool. Well, and I can imagine, I think I mentioned this in an article I wrote a couple of years ago or something about how at that point in the summer too, like mid-August, <laughs> I remember from being a parent, that's about the time that kids are getting like, they've been to the pool, they're kind of tired of that, you've done your beach vacation. They're getting it's, stir crazy. They're getting a little stir crazy, so it sounds like the perfect thing to do. That's the goal. I want to genuinely, with the whistle stop, I wanted to provide families with accessible theater, theater mm -hmm. that they could really engage with their children on and make sure that it was available to right. everyone. And so the idea of having a full day of activities that have good breaks where if anybody's having a meltdown in the middle of the day, that's <laughs> yeah. fine. We didn't waste any money. Right. We got to see a show and we can go home now. Yeah. Or I'm going to keep you busy all day long with this bubble <laughs> bar and with all these shows. Right. Well, and speaking of families, I know that Whistle Stop is a family affair. You you work with your mom and your dad, mm -hmm. right? And your husband, mm -hmm. James, who I also wanted to ask you about that. So you've been married to James for two years. Mm -hmm. He is the artistic director now at Quill as of a few months ago. So I guess I'm wondering, in you know, in your home life, do you ever get sick of talking about theater 24-7? I mean, both both of you being involved, so involved in theater, is it just like, can we just talk about I don't know, any, you know anything else? It's, Baseball or, you know? <laughs> it's funny. We don't talk about theater oh, really? when we're with each other. Okay. When the Whistle Stop was developing and when we were freshly in love, of course, there was a little bit more discussion about our passions and our approaches to our craft. But now we, we get each other. We know <laughs> what the other person's going to bring. Right. Unless we're directly asking for help and support. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we allow each other to go on our own journeys and home life is for home. Home okay. is for comfort and support and cuddling our cats. <laughs> Not so That's much great. on theater production. James I know has developed a lot of his original works that or you know spins on other works, things like Ubu 84 that he did here at the Firehouse. And it's I don't know, it tends to be pretty intense or heady or intellectual. And you're principally doing children's theater. Do you ever look across at each other and he goes, God, I wish I could just do a kid's show. And you look over and go, oh, I wish I was doing Shakespeare or anything like that. Is there any of that kind of energy? Or Well, when we did Cinderella, when mm. my play Cinderella, the Fairy Godmother's Tale, went to New York and he directed it, mm. there was that consistent question of, can a Shakespearean <laughs> direct children's theater? And it actually isn't that different. I think okay. it's kind of a frustration for a theater for youth professional to constantly say that theater for youth is 
theater. Right, right. We're laying a foundation for the next generation. And so that means you can't dumb it down. You can't spoon feed it. You want to give them every opportunity to experience these stories as if they themselves were in the shoes of those characters. And I think Shakespeare has a very similar struggle, especially for modern day audiences that people throw up their hands and go, it's Shakespeare, I don't get it. (laughs) James is a genius at being able to bring those characters back to life and make them accessible. Mm -hmm. That's the consistent struggle with theater for youth too, taking these characters that people have heard and understood for eons and giving them new life and new voice. What's interesting to me also to talk to you and, you know, know a little bit about you is that you're very smart. You're very accomplished. You you have all these skills. Some of the roles, I mean, some of the roles that I remember you playing most often are kind of ditzy or, you know, uh, Psycho Beach Party was the first role I remember you in. And, you know, you're just kind of this sex pot. And yet you are a very smart, accomplished person. Is there ever any tension around that for you? Is it hard to push away your intellectual side and be, I'm just going to be a boozy broad or, you know, something like that. Well, I have two stories about that, actually. (laughs) Um, When I was very little, uh, my mother had this picture of her as Cinderella beside my bedside table. Mm. And gosh, I could go on about the story of Cinderella forever. So I'll (laughs) try to limit myself. But I remember asking her what it was like to be a princess. Mm. And she said, that the hardest thing for her was clearing her mind, being this kind of nothing character. And I immediately took offense to that. I was like, she's not a nothing character. She is an archetype that has informed civilization. Mm -hmm. You find this story in every culture across time. So there's something about that person that is important, Mm -hmm. however dumb you might think she might be. And that's something I bring to all of these characters that could easily be written off as ditzy, body, whatever. Mm -hmm. I try to find what makes them worth loving, Mm -hmm. worth fighting for, what we relate to them. I remember really struggling when I played Mary in Da. She was described as, you know, the town slut and they made jokes about what she would and would not do. But in that dialogue, they also really clearly explain sexual abuse. Mm. And for them, they're like, well, this happened to her, therefore she's a slut. No, this happened to her, therefore she's a victim, and there's a much larger problem here. And so when people come up to me and be like, oh, you little skank, I just (laughs) it drove me nuts. I was like, we need to be thinking about this. We need to be protecting these people. We need to be empathizing with these people. Even Aunt Sheila, who was very easy to just write off as this body drunk why was she so angry at her family (laughs) why did she have to drink herself into oblivion just to get through it why did she feel so motivated to ruin this (laughs) wedding right you know, that just thinking about all of that makes me so connected to my characters that I get a little defensive okay. about them. <laughs> well, and that is totally fair. Well, and I also just should say one of one of your favorite performances for me was in Perfect Arrangement, where that was a much more complex, nuanced, very full, fully realized character. So I know you can do that kind of stuff, but you know, I have seen you in some of those more I'm I'm it's really interesting to hear the full intellectual process that goes into them. It makes me appreciate them more. 
Thank you. Yeah. And you know, something I did love about Millie is she presents very simple, mm-hmm. but right. then there's that undercurrent. Exactly. Uh, so that was really exciting for me to get to play a character like that because I do present the way I do. I'm this short, womanly girl. <laughs> I do see where people, and cheerful, golly, I know I'm just the perkiest and <laughs> that's a lot to handle. Yeah. Uh, so I know it's easy to look at me and assume certain things, which is part of why I write, uh, to create characters that I otherwise wouldn't be able to play. I think it's an opportunity to shock and inform. (laughs) That's great. When does uh, work start on this festival, even though it's not until August? Are you prepping right now? It's it's been started. Um, Golly, I don't remember when I started prepping. I'm always plotting in Mm. my head. I I try to see what Ashland needs, my community needs, and respond to that. So mostly I saw people who really wanted to participate in the Ashland Summer Theater Festival and be a part of the Whistle Stop family. So I wanted to give those people opportunities to Mm. share their skills and talents. And this seemed like a really good opportunity for that. Uh, And I think I started casting maybe three or four months ago. Wow. Okay. And I give everybody their scripts and their music and everything to start studying now because we're only taking two weeks to rehearse three mm-hmm. plays. Well, it's good to be prepared. Exactly. <laughs> and and in this meantime, I've gotten the businesses involved and right. I built our website and I'm doing promotions on our Facebook. We only <laughs> use our Facebook, so it's the the source for everything Whistle Stop. Okay. Well, I wanted to wrap up by asking you a question that I'm personally interested in, which is given that you do all these things, and like, for instance, until I went to your website, I didn't know you painted. (laughs) I mean, I knew you were a photographer. I knew a lot of things, but you have all these skills. When you have a free minute, which maybe you don't have any, so it's not a problem, but when you have a free minute, how do you you decide what you're going to do? That's actually a question I've been asking myself a lot. (laughs) I only just realized that I don't do any self-care. I'm Hmm. always working... Um, so I don't know what I just do for myself. Even my paintings. I don't own any of those paintings. I've given them to people. Mm, okay. So I, I don't know what I do just for myself. I'm well, we got to get you a hobby. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to read more, but mm. even then it's always research or something. <laughs> well, I know you won't have any time this summer, but come the fall, I hope you have some t- downtime for hey. some self-care. In the meantime, everyone, like I said, should put on their calendars August 11th, the Ashland Summer Theater Festival in Ashland, Virginia. Louise Ricks, thank you for coming in. Thank you so much. I hope the festival is a big success. Me too. Bring the whole family. (laughs) All right. Thank you to Louise Ricks, who is the artistic director for Whistle Stop Theater Company, and they have their one-day theater festival happening in August. Mark your calendars now. You'll be happy to have the escape when summertime gets to that point in mid-August. And also, of course, thank you, Kim. Kim Jones-Clark, talking about Hand to God, show that opens at the basement on July 13th. So that is the interviews for today. I thought I would wrap up the show. Uh, This is going to be our last show for the summer, and we're taking a little break. We'll be back probably the last weekend in August. Uh, So watch our 
Facebook page and watch the internets, and you'll see when we'll be coming back in August to talk about shows opening then. But I wanted to reflect a little bit. We launched this podcast back in November with no real idea of what we should be doing or how we should be doing it. And we started with a little bit longer format with the hour-long productions. I quickly got feedback that an hour-long was too long, so we cut it back to mostly in the neighborhood of a half hour a while back, which has been great fun for me. And I hope it's been fun for you. I wanted to give you some stats because it's kind of fun to look back and reflect on what's happened since November. I've talked to 50 different people in 20 different episodes. And I've you know tried to be conscientious and capture people from all different theater companies doing different kinds of things. I've been okay, not perfect. I'll try to be try to be better in the future. I would love to hear people's feedback on what you liked, what you didn't like, what was good about the podcast, what you thought wasn't so good about the podcast. Some stats to give you though, we had 50 guests. 26 of them were female and 24 were male. So that was a pretty good split. We also had 21 people who were performers, who were actors, who I was, at least I was talking to them because they were performing in an upcoming show. And 29 people who were non-performers, musical directors, directors, artistic directors, tech people, and people not even associated with a specific theater. We had Jerry Williams, we had Amy White in here, we had Terry Gao, who's with CultureWorks. So it's been, I think, a pretty good mix of people. I will have to say, I only talked to three true, uh, what you would call true tech people, like lighting designer Michael Jarrett. So I think in the future, I'm going to try to figure out a way to get some other truly technical people in, talk about their specific roles and responsibilities and outlooks about theater. And also, out of the 50 guests, we had six people who were non-Caucasian presenting. And again, I thought I was trying to I was trying to be sensitive to that and tried to be inclusive, but uh, I feel like I kind of fell a little bit short with that. So we'll be looking at that. You know, we want to be inclusive of the whole Richmond community. So we'll um, be looking at the diversity of our guests and try to improve with that in the future. But again, any input you have, any thoughts you guys have who are listening, I'll be glad to hear it. So the other thing I wanted to do is, you know, all 50 guests that we had, I really appreciate them coming in doing the interview. I also had a couple specific kind of last minute calls that I had to make. People who stepped in at the last minute, that was Phil Crosby, who I had a phone interview with. Uh, People like Katrina Carroll-Lewis, who I kept on trying to schedule to come into the studio and we ended up having to do a remote recording. But people have been really, in general, great uh, and responsive and agreeable to doing everything they could to get in here to do an interview. And I really appreciate it because it's not always easy and it was freezing cold in the wintertime and it's boiling hot now in the summertime. So I do appreciate everybody who's come out and people, particularly uh, like Phil, who responded to literally last minute phone calls saying, can you do an interview with me? Uh, Finally, I want to talk about my job here is community engagement manager. And that is kind of run the gamut between doing talkbacks, helping to produce specific shows that are not main stage shows like Death Club Radio. Um, We also do classes through VCU's Commonwealth Society. We do a lot of things around here to try to engage the community in different ways. And I think we're, we're making progress. I think all of the Richmond theater community is looking at ways to grow our audiences, to reach more people, to be more inclusive, bring people who have not traditionally come into theater and bring them into theaters 
to see what we have to offer them. And I think we're making some progress. I think there's still a lot of work to do. So, you know, one of the most exciting things that I did in the last uh, six months was working with the YWCA on a program specifically about the Me Too movement. And I, I really hope that we continue to do and that other theater companies in town look for ways to interface with the community, work with other groups, bring them in and bring the people who are involved with those other groups into the theater because all the theaters in town do some pretty amazing things. I wouldn't point to any theater company in town in Richmond as a, a slacker or who's trying to get by on, on subpar work. We all do really good work. We have people who don't get paid enough uh, and put in a lot of hours to do really great theater here. And more Richmonders should come in and see it. And, you know, we continually, I, I don't know about everybody, but I continually rail against the fact that thousands and thousands of people come out to see the traveling shows that come through Richmond and the surrounding area. And we've got a lot of homegrown talent and a lot of homegrown productions that are really up to snuff and can compete with shows that come through. Uh, you know, pointing to things happening in Richmond right now, a chorus line at Triangle Players and West Side Story at Virginia Rep and Preludes here at Firehouse. And that's really just three of the many different productions that are happening in town. You know, those are all three of those are truly shows that I would put against any other show that I've seen across the country in terms of quality of the talent, quality of the production. And uh, I think more Richmonders should come out and enjoy it. So I hope you have a great summer. I hope you get a chance to get away and relax. And in the meantime, we'll be thinking about ways to improve the podcast. And check out the Firehouse Forum blog, too, while you're at it, which is at firehouseforum.org. And like I said, if you have thoughts, ideas, uh, suggestions, rants, raves, uh, we are always, I am specifically, uh, very open to whatever people think. So thank you for listening. Thank you again to all my guests, all 50 folks who have helped over the past six months. Uh, thank you very much to Ryan Digert, who runs our sound and mixes the show and is just always on top of the, the technical side of things. Really appreciate that. And uh, tune in uh, somewhere around August 25th, and we'll rejoin our conversation about Richmond Theater. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you later. 